church continually in the true faith that relying on the hope of your heavenly grace we may ever be defended by your mighty power through Jesus Christ your son our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit one God now and forever amen the Old Testament reading for this the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany is from The prophet Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of of the earth, and its its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, 
and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them by name, by the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading from 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. If I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But not of my own will, I am still entrusted with, with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God.
stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Immediately, Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and and they found him and they found him and said to him everyone is looking for you and he said to them let us go on to the next towns that i may preach there also for that is why i came out and he went throughout all galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons o lord have mercy on us and peace to god Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the
Peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the Holy Gospel, the first chapter of St. Mark, these words. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all of the sick and the demon-possessed. And the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Some of you may well remember the summer of 1950. The summer when, according to PBS's American perspective, fear gripped the residents of Wytheville, Virginia, a fear that was spread like fire throughout all of the United States, through all of its cities and its towns. Movie theaters in Wytheville shut down. Baseball games were canceled. Panicky parents kept their children indoors. Anything to keep them safe from the invisible invader Outsiders sped through town with their windows rolled up and bandanas were tied about their faces. The ones who couldn't escape the perpetrator were left paralyzed and some died in the wake of the devastating and the contagious virus. Polio had struck in Whiteville. The town was in the midst of a full-blown epidemic. It struck in many cities and towns throughout the U.S. That year alone, in fact, more than 33,000 Americans in 1950 fell victim, half of them under the age of 10, many of them dying because of it. Within two more years, the number would exceed 55,000 epidemic proportions. Daddy and Mama took everything Sonny owned, recalls one Anna Crockett Stark, just seven years old, when her brother was struck with the virus. All of his clothes, his bed, his chest of drawers. He had a fabulous comic book collection. They took everything out to the middle of the garden, and they made a pile, and they burned everything he owned, and they were told to do that so that we would not get it too. Well, communities panicked, and scientists race to eradicate this dreaded disease of the 20th century. One, Basil O'Connor, dedicated his fortune and his time to developing a massive public campaign to involve citizens in fighting the war against this horrible crippler as people would give dimes to the cause in order to accomplish an awareness of what was happening, to deal with this horrible crippler and this killer of America's children as well as her adults. A war that for sure involved risk, as nearly two million school children in 44 states, and you'll remember this because many of you were among them, were vaccinated with the Jonas Salt vaccine, an experimental vaccine which no one at the time knew for sure was safe, but it was determined that something had to be done, and so began the largest public health experiment in the history of the United States. 
Unfortunately, the Salk vaccine was ruled, quote, safe, effective, and potent. In fact, within just a few years of being licensed, the Salk vaccine and its competing Sabin alternative, remember the little sugar cubes, decreased the number of polio cases in the United States by 50%. By the early 1960s, the number of Americans contracting polio fell to a few thousand annually. And the last case of polio in the Western Hemisphere was reported in 1991. A war won, a dreaded disease vanquished. And now even throughout the world, while there are still cases of it being reported and spots of it being reported as on the increase in certain places, yet virtually it has been overcome. Oh, that the wars waged against all of the physical diseases of men were as successful as that waged against polio. Oh, that all diseases were vanquished. But they're not, are they? Not yet. A battle won here, another one there, advancements made on so many fronts. But we still end the day with the reminders of our human frailty and our physical mortality. A physical mortality that might well be ignored for the time of our youth, at least to a certain degree, but inevitably it knocks harder and harder as we grow older and older. But even among youth it takes its toll. A mind-arresting fact about the aging process is it begins to take its toll even early on. Did you know that by the time you turn 16 to 17 years old, you're already starting to lose your hearing? And at 30, the hormone levels drop, and guess what? The muscles begin to shrink. How right the prophet Isaiah was when he said in our Old Testament lesson today, even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men will fall exhausted. Time takes its toll upon us all, and time really is no respecter of persons, earth's inhabitants, as the prophet Isaiah said in today's Old Testament lesson, are like grasshoppers. And even those who are elevated by men to the princedoms of this world and to the positions of leadership in this world, even them, even they, Isaiah says, are, quote, brought to nothing. Scarcely, he says, are they planted, scarcely are they sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when the Lord blows on them, and they wither, and the storm of time carries them away like stubble. Now there's a definite sense of mortal brevity in those words, isn't there? There's a sense of brevity regarding our longevity here on earth, a brevity that shouldn't surprise any of us because the evidence of it is so overwhelming and it's all around us. It's about us as an established fact, as certainly as a, an established fact can be. The phenomena of aging accompanied by illness and disease, which eventually culminates in dying and ultimately death, as the Apostle Paul tells us that it does. And then he explains to us even further, and he tells us why it does. He says, therefore, just as through one man, namely Adam, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, for death is spread unto all men, because all have sinned. He gets immediately to the cause of all of the symptomatic problems of our physical infirmities. And he says, ultimately, it's sin. That separation from God. 
St. Paul speaking of those old worn out and not so old wearing out bodies of ours, the victims of our sinful nature, Paul says indeed while we're in this tent, this sin infected, this sin affected body, we groan, he says, being burdened because we don't want to be unclothed. We don't want to be without this flesh and bones of our body because they, they're who we are and they're what we are. They're, they're part of us. And so we don't want to be unclothed and we groan at the thought of it, at the process of it happening. In fact, sometimes our groaning about our eventual unclothing sounds a bit like Scripture's insomniac. Remember Scripture's insomniac named Job? He said, I've been allotted months of futility and nights of misery have been assigned to me when I lie down, I think how long before I'm going to get up. And the night drags on and I toss and I turn until dawn. And then he goes on to explain why he's so restless until dawn as he describes the physical condition in all too vivid words about his time and his disease, worn flesh, and then he concludes it all by saying, Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. As the hymnist has said it so beautifully, change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. See it clearly, friends. See it clearly. See clearly the impact that human sin has upon the human condition, how it affects you, me, those around you, all of humanity. See clearly what sin within does to our bodies within because that's but a, a mimicking mirror that reflects the reality of what it would do to our souls within forever. Think on that. And then smitten by it, we, that we might, then in turn might do what the people in today's text by grace did, that we too might go where the people in today's text went, that confronted daily with the same realities, that stared them squarely in the face day after day, still stricken and smitten by all the varied, varied diseases of life, seasons resulting from the same human condition of sin within, that we might go even at sunset as they did, even at sunrise, as so many of them would, as our Old Testament lesson today says, that we might go to the one who gives power to the faint and who renews the strength of the weary that they might mount up with wings like eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint anymore. The everlasting God can do this, the prophet Isaiah said, the everlasting God can do this for us. Wait for him. Wait for it to happen. And who do we find doing this in the text for today, in the gospel lesson for today? Who do we find doing it? Who do we find stretching out his hand to place a divine grip about the, the limp hand of the fever-weakened mother-in-law of Simon Peter? Who do we find identifying himself as Isaiah's everlasting God who is the creator of the ends of the earth? The one who never grows faint or weary but gives power to the faint and strength to the weary. Who is it? What does our text say? It says that evening after sunset the people brought to Jesus all of the sick 
and the demonically oppressed, the whole town, our text says, gathered at his door. Come with me. By God's grace, come with me to Jesus Christ. Come with me by faith to Christ Jesus. Gather at his door in our day as the people of our text did in theirs. Gather with me where he's promised to meet us in our day, right here at the door that he promised to be at, right here in his sanctuary, right here in the sacred space, which is to us the Bethel of Jacob of old, when scripture says he was filled with reverent fear and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This indeed is the gate of heaven right here at the pulpit and the lectern of his house where he's promised to come to us and to, to speak to us through his word, that living voice of our Lord Jesus Christ, forgiving us, blessing us, delivering us, and delivering to us all of the blessings of the cross where our sin and all of the, the hell that it deserved became his to wear and became his to bear instead of ours. Right here at the font of his house, at this basin of blessing where through water and the word, he expelled demons first from us. As we renounced the devil and all of his works and all of his ways. And we were cleansed then by that washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit that takes place in holy baptism as he claimed us and he, as he named us and our children as his own. Right here at the table of his house, where in with an under-consecrated bread and wine, he comes to us in his very body and blood to be as close to us as deity can get to humanity on this side of heaven. Week in and week out he comes to forgive us and sustain us and to be with us and to keep us even unto life everlasting. Come with me by God's grace to Christ Jesus. Come to where he's promised to be found on this side of heaven right here in his word and his sacraments which bring to us all of the divine blessings of that cross right here where he's promised to be and all of his healing reality. But wait, you say, it all sounds great, but let's back up a bit. What about his healing reality right now in my life, in my sickness, in my infirmity? What about our sicknesses and our diseases? We still get sick. We still die. The evidence of it is all too real all around us. It's all too real within us as we experience each of it ourselves. We literally feel our need for physical healing all too often right now. What about the here and the now? Why doesn't he heal us now? Like he did those folks back then, like he did those folks in our text for today. But dear friend, he does. He does. Stop and think about it. Just as for them, so also for us, the promise of health irreversibly perfected begins for us at the very same time that it begins for them. The promise of physical health irreversibly perfected begins for us as it began for them at exactly the same time on that great day at the end of time when this mortal flesh and these mortal bones will be raised up to be clothed with a new quality of immortality. Until then, we may indeed experience temporal and temporary physical healing, just as the sick who were brought to Jesus at sunset 2,000 years ago. Each of us healed today 
in some way or the other, at some time or the other, by that healing power of Jesus Christ, whether his power works through the means of medicine, as he so often does, works through the physicians who attend us, or to the vaccines with which we're inoculated against diseases like polio and the like, his healing power working through prescriptions that are prescribed, through medical procedures that are performed, and sometimes miracles without means that defy every medical explanation, and they happen yet in our day too, each of us in some way experiencing the physical healing power of Jesus Christ, even as those gathered about his door 2,000 years ago. But note this, and note it well. Each of the physically sick that were gathered about his door back then, in our text for today, each would get sick again. And each and every one of them would in time physically die, even though they had been healed by Jesus. And so also with us. Why? Because the ultimate physical healing desired by all of us who gather at his door is not to be fully known until that great and that glorious day when all that is perishable about us becomes imperishable. Behold, Jesus says, I make all things new. And that is what he will say on that great and glorious day at the end of time that St. Paul describes as being the resurrection of the dead. So also, Paul says, is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, but it is then raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. It's a reality to be sure, but it's a future reality that is to be realized and that now is to be clung to in faith in confidence that he who made the promise will keep his promise to you in due time. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles, and run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Little wonder that the apostle would elsewhere say the sufferings of this present time, therefore, they're not even worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so you see, even our physical suffering in the present time has its God-ordained purposes. God working his will somehow, all so often beyond our understanding, divine purposes that are seldom appreciated by us and even less celebrated, divine purposes so often hidden in the least likely of places, his strength working through our weaknesses to accomplish things that we often don't even see. After all, where was it that God worked his greatest work in all of history? Was it not through the seeming weakness of his own crucified son upon a cross? Is not that where the power of God is most evident as all of mankind is saved through what appears to the world to be such weakness? And so, dear friends, as one modern author has so beautifully put it in a poem entitled Out of the Darkness, it's very fitting for us, and it says, Out of the dark forbidding soil the pure white lilies grow, and out of the black and the murky clouds descends the stainless snow. 
And out of the crawling earthbound worm, the butterfly is born. Out of the somber shrouded night, behold, a new and a glorious morn. And so it is out of the pain, he says, and the stress of life. The peace of God pours down out of the nails, the spears, the cross, redemption, and a crown. So much for so many who by grace and through faith gather at his door and wait. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
God in Christ Jesus, and for all people according to their needs, particularly we remember Robert Latham, who continues to rehabilitate for multiple strokes, Carol Small, who undergoes knee surgery tomorrow, and Maggie Schuster, the wife of Phil Schuster, currently undergoing chemotherapy, John Herapath, brother of Richard Herapath, who also undergoes surgery tomorrow, and with David and Nancy Hall, we give thanks for their 35 years of, of marriage that they celebrate tomorrow. We pray. O Lord, the everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth, you brought life and immortality to light in your Son, Jesus Christ, and have created a community of believers through your life-creating and sustaining means of grace. Preserve your church in this world, we pray. Reform her where she has followed error, and strengthen her where she has been enabled to confess the truth, that many who yet know not Christ might know him, and knowing him might have eternal life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Break our pride, Lord, and lead us to repent of all boasting in ourselves. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to glory in and trust firmly in the cross of Jesus Christ and live our lives in love toward each other, attending to one another in our various particular needs. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, who once sought seclusion to pray to the Father, help us to recognize and treasure the unique privilege of calling upon your Father as our Father, and lead us to also to, to call upon him in hours of stillness and in days of trouble, confidently seeking from him the highest good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. King of kings, direct the hearts and minds of those who rule over us, that they may do so with wisdom, in humility seeking justice, and in most difficult circumstances holding fast to what is right. Defend those who defend us from attacks of terrorism, crime, fire, and fraud. Enable the citizens of this land to live peaceably with one another for the good of all the citizens. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of tender compassion, you healed the sick and cured the lame, gave sight to the blind, restored hearing to the deaf, delivered those who were held in bondage to the devil. According to your most gracious favor, attend now to those from among us who suffer from any form of affliction in mind or body, including those who bear the crosses of chronic illness or those who, because of infirmity, face surgery. Bless Robert Latham and Carol Small and Maggie Schuster, John Herapath, Leota Woolman. Uphold and strengthen them. Teach us all to wait patiently upon you, knowing that in your good time you will forever renew the strength of those that wait upon the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, who once sanctified the wedding feast at Cana with your presence, we thank you for continuing to bless mankind through the institution of marriage. With David and Nancy Hall, we give you thanks that you have blessed their life together in marriage for 35 years. And we pray that you would continue to bless them in their home with your presence for all the years that to them you graciously grant. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, we entrust to you all for whom we pray, commending them to you in body and soul and all things. Bless and keep us in your gracious favor for the sake of Jesus Christ, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.